Equity is brought to you by ExaCrunch, that prodigious TechCrunch paywall you keep running into. You can break through that paywall at a steep discount if you use the promo code equity. If you do, you'll get access to our best stuff and you'll make equity look really good internally at the same time. Enough of that, let's start the show. Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. I will talk about why we're here on a Wednesday in a second, but first I have Danny Crichton here. Danny, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for today's episode. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We also have Natasha Moscarenas here. How are you? I'm doing great. I told my roommates about our guest's name and they said that he sounds like a evil but cool scientist. So I think it's perfectly on brand. <laughs> it's amazing they got every single thing wrong about him at the same time. Um, we are here on a Wednesday because equity is expanding a little bit this year. Uh, as an announcement, we're going to keep equity Monday just as it is. We are going to do a thematic episode on Wednesdays, bringing in experts, other tech reporters, venture capitalists focused on geographies, themes, genres of startups. It's going to be a real blast. And then the Thursday episode that you have known forever is going to go back to Friday morning a very simple transition back to its old time frame. But today we are talking about all things startups and space. And by startups, I mean big companies. But to help us navigate these waters, we have Daryl Etherington. Daryl, you are our news editor and our space expert. Please say hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here to reveal my evil plan for world and space domination to all of you. (laughs) Uh, that's actually TechCrunch's 2022 plan, Daryl. That's not for this year. That's for next oh, year. Oh, okay. Wrong one. Yeah, that's next. Yeah. <laughs> you are our space reporter and you are here today because we are doing a show all about rockets, essentially. As an enormous science fiction nerd, I'm very, very excited about this. We have a number of things to get through. We're going to talk some Elon stuff, some non-Elon stuff. And amazingly, because it is 2021, there is a space SPAC. But Danny, take us into topic number one, please. Well, if you think about it, a SPAC is really just space without an E. That's true. I think about that. Way too much. I think about that a lot. <laughs> That's Just our deep insight on the show. That's what you come here for equity for. But we're not going to talk about space without a knee. We're going to talk about space with an X. So SpaceX this week raised a serious amount of money, uh, $850 million at a valuation of $74 billion, Woo! up 60% in just uh, six months, up from $46 billion. And both of these rounds were actually led by Sequoia Capital, which, you know, I had, had no idea had a space thesis, but all of a sudden apparently is showing up and dumping more than $600 million into SpaceX. On top of that primary equity contribution, the company also sold $750 million in a secondary transaction. So $1.5 billion of SpaceX shares trading hands this week. What, a, what an amazing success story. Uh, obviously, the rockets themselves aren't successful, but the company's more valuable than ever. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> the ones that they already figured out how to make are, are quite successful, very successful. Although they did have a missed landing, which is a bit of a rarity for them on a yeah. recent launch. But, um, you know, they regularly go back to the capital pool and they've managed to keep that the private capital pool. They're one of the companies that has historically managed to stay private longest while still raising tons and tons of money and, and being successful in many other measures, right? So the last time they raised, they raised $2 billion in August of last year. And the reason is they spend it like crazy. They spend it like they're just burning it to power their rockets, which effectively they are in a lot of ways. So. <laughs> oh, you do have I... to buy fuel. Yes. Yeah. They have to purchase the fuel. The fuel is probably the cheapest part of the whole thing. It's, <laughs> yes. It's still pretty expensive. The gas in the tank costs less than the vehicle itself. Yeah. To be clear, the company is a 2002 founded company, $6 billion fundraised. So almost what, 20 years now? Two decades? Yeah. Yeah. It spawned the entire new space startup frenzy, right? So yeah, they've definitely been around the block and 
They seem to have no interest in an exit event. It's the one that if you talk to space investors, they're always, you know, looking to and sort of citing as like, this will really break open the floodgates when it comes to investment potential is when we see kind of what they go for. This term new space, can you tell us more about it? And if Elon Musk is like the person to blame or thank, depending on, on where you sit. Yeah, I mean, so it's an annoying term. I try not to use it. I fall into it. It's an, it's like, you know, like all jargon. It's one of those things where you're like, I wish I didn't have to use this. But sometimes you're like, it's just the easiest thing to do. But it kind of is this dividing line between companies like SpaceX and newer and then companies like Boeing or like the United Launch Alliance or Lockheed Martin. So these were the big, huge national defense contractors and the companies that built the space shuttle and everything before that effectively, right? And they're known as the primes, but they're also known as old space in the new parlance. Well, the primes certainly make a lot of great planes. I mean, you can't fly a 737, 787, or the 777 apparently these days. Natasha, one of the other business lines for SpaceX these days that are doing super well is, is this whole Starlink internet connectivity. Give us a little bit of an update there. First of all, Starlink, when I was reading up on it, I feel like that is the future flex that people are going to have is like, are you even on Starlink, bro? And so I just feel it coming. I'm calling it now. That's my prediction. Starlink is a part of SpaceX's business, and it is their attempt at creating a true globe-spanning active satellite network. Starlink costs about $10 billion to build out, kind of get a sense of why they raised. So basically more than the company's ever fundraised in its entire life history in 20 years. It's hard to bring internet to everybody, Danny. Give them a minute. They're working. <laughs> globe's big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one interesting thing that kind of came out in the CNBC piece about this raise was that SpaceX got six billion in funding offers in a span of three days and only accepted what seems like a fraction of it. So I do wonder why conservative when you can accept all the capital in the world and they already are obviously spending all the capital. I, I can answer that. It's because their valuation went up by like 60% in six months. You raise as little as you can now, and then you charge them more for it in two quarters. Fair yeah. I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> amount of appreciation in, in such a short amount of time. But Daryl, we've seen them finish a lot of stuff, it seems like. We've seen the SpaceX Starship, I think it's called, go up again and, and do more stuff. So have they shown enough technical progress to really warrant the valuation increase? What happened in those intervening months was so much, really. Like, it's it's really hard to understate how much they actually accomplished with the money that they had previously in the bank, right? So Starship, as you alluded, is their next generation spacecraft, right? And it's it, the scale is a little bit absurd. Like, you can basically fit, like, five of their current Dragon capsules in the cargo space. So it can transport a lot more cargo to orbit, and that's great for huge military satellites, but it's also great for future endeavors like building out space stations, commercial space stations, which I think we'll talk about later too a little bit, but like showing that that could fly, going from basically a what we call in the industry like a big shiny grain silo to like a big shiny grain silo that can fly and then also do a belly flop and almost land, although it, it can't It almost land landed. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a gif in your story of it hitting the ground and you just want to cry because there's so much work that went into that thing. It's like when an F1 car crashes, you're like, oh man, all that carbon fiber. You know, yeah, it, just, no. it makes you hurt. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hours of people's time. And it's a lot of engineering that is just exploded every single time. I've seen it. I went down to Texas. I've seen them building. I've seen the welders like working on the sides. And then you just feel so it's like you just know that's going to be a ball of fire in like three weeks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you guys remember when they were just learning how to land the Falcon 9 booster pods on the ships in the sea and they kept blowing them up, but they kept trying? And there's this amazing YouTube summary that has the music in the background as they all explode and then they begin to land. It's amazing. 
Yeah. You just don't give up. SpaceX produced that summary. That's not oh, like they, a oh, fan-made yeah. video. Oh, are you it's serious? Called mar- it's called marketing, Alec. Oh, I, I, <laughs> did I just fall for it? So yeah, exactly. what they, they're, they're very, they're, they're very unusual. So when we were talking about new space, old space, right? Like they're unusual in that they develop out in the open. Like the, the Starship thing is right there. So you can drive up to it. Talking about that versus what Boeing or anybody else used to do. Like they were behind closed doors. You never saw the mistakes. The mistakes weren't brought to light. You saw the thing when it was done for confidence. Speaking of kind of explosions, let's kind of pivot into space tourism, which is actually getting traction. Do we want to talk about Axiom Space first or do we want to talk about this all civilian SpaceX mission? Well, I mean, look, there were a lot of explosions, but, you know, as the reliability of the rockets and its return from space back to Earth uh, is getting more consistent, now we're actually getting closer and closer to the idea that you can have an all civilian SpaceX mission go up with actual people. And so we learned that, uh, what is it, Jared, Jared Isaacson or Isaacman I've never heard of this person, so I don't know how to say his name. I also um, hadn't heard of him before this. Yeah, me either. Is he real? Our notes literally say, who is this billionaire? Which is super helpful when you try to describe <laughs> who the person that's is. That's the revenge of People Chris writing the script for us. Who is this billionaire and I why is he Chris. funding a trip to space? No one knows. But but apparently, Natasha, he, he's, I guess, donating some money or there's some sort of program here for him. What's that all about? On a serious note, he is the C- he's the founder of Shift for Payments which IPO'd in June. They process payments for the hospitality industry, from my understanding, and they IPO'd in the beginning of the pandemic and and didn't do horribly. But still confusing on why he's funding a space mission. So I don't have the answer for you, but I do have the answer to the first question. I have the answer for that one. It is that he's a super rich dude (laughs) who just really loves rocket ships. Like that is honestly the only reason there is. That's me. Yeah. That's me, minus the money. <laughs> I'm, otherwise, I'm exactly like that. I, I, I love, like, so I had this, I'm, I'm going to go off topic, but I don't, I don't care. I had this talk with my spouse a lot, and I'm like, you know, if, dude, if there was a rocket and they were like, Alex, Mars, you want to go right now? Hop in, grab a backpack. I'm on. Like, I'm going, like, for sure. <laughs> and she looked at me like I was the dumbest human alive. She was like, no, why would you go to space? And I'm like, why wouldn't you go to space? And we literally have no shared context here. But <laughs> yeah. I, I would absolutely go. See, I, I'm like the opposite. I'm in Brooklyn and I'm not even willing to take the subway to Manhattan anymore. I'm with you, like, Danny. That's the level of like exchange I'm willing to move anywhere. But there is a good story here, right? So in addition to, to Jared himself, he is giving, what, two seats that he's giving out by auction. So one of which is going to go to anyone who donates randomly, I guess it's a lottery, anyone who donates to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. So anyone who donates there is eligible to get a free seat on the plane, so to speak. Yep. And then the other will be someone who builds, I guess, on top of the e-commerce platform for Shift 4. Right. To me, is like a net of like Silicon Valley, like something good and decent and heartwarming. And the other is like a content marketing stunt. So space tourism. I mean, obviously, SpaceX is moving this. And then, and then we now actually have additional startups doing this. So Axiom Space raised $130 million in a Series B led by C5 Capital, a very inspiring name, to do more space <laughs> tourism. They're another new space company, but one of the ones that is more established, I would say, right? So they've been around for a little while, and they also have a leadership team that has ample experience at NASA and working on the International Space Station. So they know space stations, and they've kind of positioned themselves as like the go-to company for the privatization of space stations. And... That includes building private modules that are going to go be attached to the current ISS. That's supposed to happen in 2024. And then after that, actually putting up their own individual private space station. Hell yeah. 
That, that's thing. my entire take. It's just hell <laughs> it's a, yeah. It's a cool I can't, stop, I can't stop grinning during this. I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy talking about space, but now that we've done this show, Equity is now an only space podcast. I'm converting the whole thing over to, to rockets now. This is a blast. I love the fact that they're going to build both for the, the ISS, which we all know and love, and also for the, the private world. Because this increases the chance that before we all die in like, you know, 50, 60, in Danny's case, 130, he's healthy as hell. You know, maybe we can all go up before then. I want to go up to space and hang out in a space hotel. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, if it's super safe. Yeah. I, I kind of, Even if we it's talked not. about this earlier, but I'm like of the, I'm not actually of the very eager to go to space. I'm like, you know, a lot of the things I like are here on earth and I'm not <laughs> sure that many of them are in space to be very honest. Touché. Have you met other people? People are terrible. In space, there are no people. <laughs> well, there will be more people. That's the problem. You want to be an explorer. You don't want to be when all the masses get there. So you want to go early. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's all about the toiletries. You want to make sure they have the right soaps and the right shampoos when you go to the space station but the company is aiming to put i guess the first modules on the international space station by 2024 so three yeah. years from now it looks like they're trying i don't know how much this is true but they're trying to get tom cruise to shoot <laughs> i assume they say an upcoming film i assume it's a mission impossible film or something like that it's actually um, not using that's the, a very key oh, key story beef boo. that it was not a mission impossible film. this is why you cover space i love this fact about tom cruise because i was on wikipedia when i saw this and i fact checked it a little bit more and apparently spacex was the original tom cruise partner and now Axiom Spaces, so I sense competition brewing between well, two businesses. What's a coopetition? It's not really because, like, basically, Axiom is a broker, and the people who give them the ride are SpaceX. Okay. That's, oh. It's, they're happy to work with any brokers. That's the only provider that exists right now. Right? And on the subject of providers who are actually making rockets that send things up into space, there's also Astra. Daryl. And I was not very familiar with this company. I know they're going public via SPAC. I know they hired an Apple engineer, Benjamin Lyons. So a couple things to talk about, but what is Astra and how are they different than SpaceX for folks out there who are kind of catching up on this whole topic? So Astra is, I don't want to put words in Chris, founder Chris Kemp's mouth, but I think he would accept this. It's basically like, what if SpaceX was a Silicon Valley company instead? So... <laughs> <laughs> he he he's based in Alameda. Like the factory is in Alameda. Okay. He's a former CTO of NASA, but he's also like a tech dude who's been around and he's like an entrepreneurial guy. So he really is like, no, 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 like throw it all out, like start from scratch, like go back to first principles and iterate on the first principles, which is the whole theory behind this hiring. So they're a very interesting company. He's also very unusual in that like he's not precious about the actual space part of it. So like He's like, oh, I, I don't go to the launches. And I'm like, what? He's like, why would I go to the launches? It doesn't make any sense for the CEO of your company to go to when your truck departs the logistics factory. Like, that's essentially the way that he thinks about it. Right? How dare he? No, but he, I like him. I mean, he's very he's, he's, he's a good chat. He's definitely different from the industry. I had a funny interaction with him because he came onto our space panels event long before they announced their spec. And we were just doing our like pre-show chat. Someone was like, what do you think of specs? And I was like, I think they're all bullshit. And I think that <laughs> <laughs> anyone who does a SPAC, is, it's a scam. Because at the time, that's kind of how I felt. And I, you guys all know this. And I, you know, I've i talked about it with multiple of you at, on different times. And then, you know, I am now have a different take on this. And it's like anything else where there can be good actors and bad actors making use of this instrument or whatever. Right. So, you know, it, but it was a funny moment. And then he, he probably knew this was coming. But yeah. Well, talking about the SPAC. So Astra is spacking a holding company called Holicity. 500 million in cash, 300 million from Holicity itself, as well as a 200 million pipe or private investment in public equity led by BlackRock, which will value 
Astra at about $2.1 billion, which is pretty good, all things considered, given how early the company is. And it follows in line with a bunch of other SPACs we've talked about on the show. We talked about all the, the LiDAR SPACs. There's been six or you know, however many LiDAR companies there are, all of them are spacking. Over in space, uh, Virgin Galactic got the most attention from social capital. Hello, Sophia. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I always forget. One of the six Chamath SPACs. Wasn't there something else that was going on with Virgin Galactic recently? Yes. Branson has his own SPAC now. He liked the SPAC oh, experience so much that he started his own. But And that was basically what kicked off the SPAC craze, right? Was right. Chamath's uh, Virgin Galactic one. So it, it yeah. really had its origin in space, right? One thing I like about SPACs, it's one of the few things I do like about them, is that you can be a little bit forward-looking. In an S1 filing for traditional IPO, you don't even talk about the next quarter's results. But in a SPAC, they say, hey, here's the next five years of estimates. And so in the case of this Astra SPAC, I was very curious to see how they were going to discuss future financials. And what's fun is they break it down not just by revenue, but number of launches, number of satellites launched, and number of spaceports deployed, which is the coolest line item I've ever seen <laughs> in an income statement. No one else gets to say number of spaceports. Yeah, modular spaceport platform revenue. Oh, yeah. so cool. That's the new community adjusted EBITDA. No, Danny, we're going to say nice things about space companies because they're cool and WeWork was not, so we didn't. Isn't WeWork a space company? I'm going to get to these numbers if it literally kills me and I have to push Danny out of an airlock to get to it. In 2021, Astra expects to have three launches and four million in revenue. And then in 2022, 15 launches, 47 million in revenue from that, and also their first spaceport deployed. So we can actually see in these numbers how fast they expect to ramp and how fast they expect to get to 300 launches by 2025. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and as one more point, you know, we mentioned Virgin Galactic. The other story, which I don't think we covered, is that Joe Rode, one of the most, I think, famous Imagineers at Disney, recently joined the company, I want to say yesterday or the day before. So, yeah. you know, pulling in some really great talent from across the industry and, and, and similar to like some of these other tourism bits, you know, we're starting to see it's becoming more and more of a consumer play, I think, for some of these companies. You're pulling in the Imagineers talent, kind of set the experience of space tourism. I guess I wanted to wrap this up with a question to Daryl. We talked about SpaceX, Astra, and Axiom. Mm -hmm. What percent of space tech startups are these companies? I mean, if you look at it on a dollars basis, SpaceX is the vast majority of the space startup sector. Space Capital puts up a quarterly report on the state of the industry and investing, and it's always comical just how much of the pie they take up on their own. That is where a lot of the current activity is, but most of the potential is not with any of these companies that we've just talked about. Most of the potential is with small sensor companies. It's literally just people being like, hey, I came and I made a camera and I made the camera a little bit better and cheaper and then I attached a different kind of camera to it and it's also so small that you can put it on a toaster-sized satellite. Like That is where all the potential wow. is in the business. Yeah, one thing that I saw recently was a, a YC company called Albedo, and I was talking to their CEO about this, and we got into a discussion about, I think, refueling satellites in space and how they can stay in lower Earth orbits for a longer period of time to increase the, the resolution of the pictures that they can take. And we were talking about how satellites will like go up in orbit to refueling and then go back down. to. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done, heard about. And then I, my next call was about enterprise SaaS, and I wanted to cry. <laughs> uh, but ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to wrap here. This has been the first Equity Wednesday thematic episode. There are going to be a couple of bumps in the road. I thought this one went just fine. Daryl, we appreciate you being our space guinea pig. Natasha, Danny, a treat as always. And we'll be back on Friday morning. See you then.